You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In your way in the world today takes everything you've got. <laughs> Taking a break from all your worries, sure would help a lot. Good evening, everybody. Episode 114 of Locked on Brown. Sorry, a little slower there. Sometimes the technology does not work as much as we wanted to. Uh, Locked on Brown's brought to you by the Locked on Network, the Locked on family of podcasts. Uh, we're going to get a little bit in. Obviously, we're going to get deep into what happened yesterday in Detroit. You know, tough loss yesterday. A little bit of a weird scenario. Uh, you know, we've talked so much you know, over the past weeks about how the defense has been such a great, great, you know, part of this team, and it's been the stalwart. It's been the staple. Uh, you know, obviously, some gaps there yesterday. We're going to get into all that with my guest, Stephen Thomas, uh, Browns mock draft. Uh, first thing I want to touch on, uh, Marquise Goodwin from San Francisco 49ers. Um, I know the situation well. Uh, my youngest daughter is what is known as a micro preemie. She was born to this earth 111 days early. Spent 111 days in NICU being taken care of by some of the most fabulous people you could imagine. For him to have to go through all that between the hours of 4 a.m., 5 a.m., um, have his wife give birth, uh, you know, say goodbye to his child, and go back, you know, 10, 11 hours later, be there for his other family. Just an amazing thing. It's a terrible situation. I, I would never wish this on my worst enemy. The amount of, you know, People I met and parents I met and had to see them, you know, say goodbye to a child. Just absolutely devastating. Uh, you know, Marquise Goodwin, you, you earned a fan for life yesterday. And, you know, trust me, there's a lot of us. And, you know, they always told me through those days, the NICU life was a community. It was like a bond. You know, it's something you don't understand unless you went through. Um, so Marquise Goodwin, your beautiful wife, Morgan, I feel your pain. I understand. It's just a terrible, terrible thing, and I wish you guys all the best, and here's to brighter and brighter days. Uh, joining me tonight, like I said, Stephen Thomas, the Cliff Clayton to my Norm Peterson uh, <laughs> at Brown's Mock Draft. Uh, Steven, I'm still uh, upset about that, by the way. I, I much prefer to be Norm, but, but we'll just gloss over that for now. We'll get into that later. See, we've talked about this the other day, though, but the problem is, is you mentioned the wine, and you know, if there was one thing Norm was all about, it was the suds, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay, and you have a and you have a little more experience on this earth than me, so we'll try. I'll give you that the, the tip of the cap that you you know probably have a little more knowledge than I do to this. And point, I'm sir. filled with useless facts that do nobody any good. So, that's, buddy, that's why we have the yin and the yang like we do, my friend. <laughs> uh, all right, Stephen. First things first. Give me your impressions yesterday. Uh, you know, we've talked about this a couple times here. Now, uh, it was another game that they were in, and at times was a winnable game. So, you know, give me some impressions. Well, I mean, I mean, how many times can we look at a game and say, if only, if only, if only? I mean, you hear constantly, uh, and I think Hugh Jackson said it today, and he may have even said it yesterday. But I mean, it's been said so many times. It's always one or two plays. I mean, it's less than five plays that decide most football games. I mean, you know, there are relatively few blowouts in the NFL. Um, and so you look at the uh, fumble uh, return for a touchdown from DeValve when the Browns were again moving the football. 
and then the debacle at the end of the first half, I mean, you know, it's a four-point game if those go the way they should. Or if right before the debacle at the end of the first half, uh, it would have been a tough catch. I'm not putting this on uh, Najoku at all, but if he gets his left foot down four inches, you know, uh, further in, then we don't even have to worry about whether it was a running play or a passing play or an audible or a sneak or whatever because it's a touchdown. I mean, it it really is a game of of inches sometimes because, um, like you said earlier, the defense didn't play nearly as well as they have all year. But outside of those two plays, uh, it's a 50-50 game. Um, Now, that doesn't excuse a lot of, of the things that we saw. There were drops, there were overthrows, um, uh, there were other, I mean, you know, the devalve play that I mentioned, um, the defense, although I would like to, to say one thing about the defense before Jamie Collins got hurt and it was very early. It was only, you know, uh, yep. uh, one, one series, maybe two. Um, the defense was dominating. I mean, they were destroying the, the Detroit offensive line. Um, and Collins has been up and down this year, but apparently he was on his game and good, good slash interested Jamie was there yesterday before he got hurt. And he's a, he's a big part of what they do. So him going down changed the entire, uh, uh feeling of the game, uh, from the defensive side of the ball, at least from what I saw. And, and I should preface this by saying, I haven't gone back and watched it again yet. I've only watched, did the live viewing. Um, but overall, and I'm not the only one who has said this, by far uh, Deshaun Kaiser's best game. This is the guy that I saw at Notre Dame that made me so excited, and I've been waiting to see this guy um, all year. Uh, decisive, calm, uh, on target, going through his progressions, making the right reads uh, almost all of the time, putting the ball where his playmakers needed it to be so they could take uh, take the ball and turn up field. Um and part of that, I mean, let's just say as well, probably Hugh Jackson's best game as a play caller. I mean, they ran the ball 20-something times, ran it well, um, got it into you know Duke's hands on the outside, got it to uh, Crow on the, uh, uh, the power runs instead of the zone reads. I mean, it was overall probably one of their better games. Um, they just broke down at inopportune times and, and, and gave away uh, 14 points. So... I, I don't know. I mean, if you're looking, uh, I think Jared said this, Jared Mueller said this yesterday. If you're looking strictly at wins and losses, of course you're going to be disappointed about yesterday and you're going to go, oh, same old Browns. And, and in some ways it was. I mean, some ways only the Browns could have pulled off what happened at the first end of the first half. But if you're looking for development slash improvement slash whatever buzzword you want to use, I think yesterday was a, if not a huge step forward, definitely a big step forward in a lot of areas. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. And the thing with Dijon, and, and before we get to, you know, the gaff, uh, you know, you look at it, he used everybody. And right. that's like, that shows, you know, that shows so much growth. And look, there, there's, I, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Hugh here, who I've been hard as heck on. But look, Sammy Coates, look, Sammy Coates, you know, there was a time that Pittsburgh thought they had something there. Right. Uh, you know, drops kind of fell him out of favor. Uh, you know, other guys, you know, basically, you know, Jumped to the opportunity, you know, right. drafting a Juju Smith-Suster, you know, <coughs> Bryant getting his el- eligibility back. All of those things kind of led him being by the wayside. I mean, that obviously the big play down the sideline, uh, you look at, you know, the guy who wears number 12 and 
could be back in a couple of weeks. He makes that play, probably scores, just because that's the kind of beast he is. Right. But you show the signs there from Kaiser. You know, ran the ball well. Duke Johnson, 16 touches. I've been screaming this since <laughs> I've got taken the show over. And right. what do you know? You know, darn, almost 90 yards. Isaiah Crowell, here's another guy I am going to speak well of. I've been very hard on Isaiah Crowell. But, yes, there were some stuffed runs. There were some negative runs. But it wasn't That'll just – Yes, but it wasn't just the one big run that sometimes, you know, right. goes ahead and changes his yard per carry. There were several. Ran strong yesterday. Um, well, here's the thing. I guess we're going to get to it now. But, look, there was a lot of credit to the offense. And, look, for this offense, for what they've been doing lately, to put up 24 points, that was a pretty darn good showing. Um, the audible. Me, personally, look, first things first, a QB sneak from that great of a distance – should not be an audible in that scenario, but uh, Stephen, I know you had some great reactions. I mean, and it was a brown, it was a Browns Twitter, and I'm getting in there. I was in there today. I am fully enclenched in a Browns Twitter now, and I got to admit, <laughs> it is absolute madness up in there. I, I had to take a shower when I got home from work today after seeing all that. But uh, Stephen, your first reaction, and I mean, everyone, I guess we always want to back Kaiser first and blame Hugh. But look, everybody at the end, it was obviously that Deshaun went to it. Give me some initial thoughts and where you went from there. Uh, just one quick thing before I get to that. Somebody who has not gotten a lot of credit, at least that I've seen, for the performance of the offense yesterday, and we have been hard on and made jokes about, and we should uh, make sure to say and, and give him an attaboy, is Spencer Drango. He yeah. played far better than anybody thought he could. I mean, he, obviously he's not Joe Thomas, but people were saying, oh, it's going to be a debacle. Dude not only held his own, I thought he played really well yesterday. Um, so anyway, but getting back to, yeah, it's there. I, I said at the time, the, I think I tweeted when it actually happened, I refused to believe that that was an audible just because watching Deshaun Kaiser for two and a half years, one of the things that I love most about him is his brain. He understands situational awareness, and it it was so out of character. I mean, maybe he thought they had another timeout or something, but you can't, you can't do that. I mean, I tweeted right before it. I said, you cannot run the ball here. There isn't time. Any Everybody in the stadium knew it. Any running play in that scenario is absolutely indefensible. Um, and it looked like, uh, to me that it, originally it was a running play called, but now it, going back and looking at it a few more times, it looks like it was actually going to be uh, a fake and then devolve sneaking out the back end, which probably would have worked. It's worked against the Browns a thousand times the last 15 years. Um, but you, you simply can't. And yes, there are people out there saying, oh, it should have been a delay penalty on the lions. You know what? It probably should have, but don't put yourself in that situation. Anything less than. 2019, maybe 18 seconds. You simply do not have time to line up and spike the ball. Everybody knows this. And a starting quarterback, rookie or not, you just, I mean, maybe from the inside the one, you take that gamble if you see a gap. Maybe. Even then, it's. It, but you're even gonna, you don't even audible. But you don't audible in that scenario. You just right. take the ball from the center and you dive because you're it, six foot four and that's what you exactly. can do. Exactly. From in, and even then, from inside the one, if it doesn't work, you're going to get blowback because it's a risky, risky play. At the where they were just inside the three, I think it's incomprehensible to me that, that he thought that was the only thing I can possibly think is he thought they had another timeout in their back pocket, which 
doesn't excuse it because, again, situational awareness. You have to know that you're out of timeouts. But that would at least explain what he was thinking at that point. I, I It was indefensible. It's the only word. It was a huge gaffe. And like you said before, it's sad that that's the only thing people are going to talk about because 99% of the rest of the game until the very last play, uh, the interception in the end zone, he played and who, without who question. he had left at that point. Exactly. You know, and, and we don't know if, if that was... Uh, you know where uh, Lewis was supposed to run because he looked like he cut the route off. I mean, you know, it, it's not worth getting into it at that point. But for most of the game, it was by far his best game. He showed the growth we've been wanting to see. Um, and again, like we said in tandem, Hugh Jackson showed the growth in play calling. And it's you know kind of odd that you run the ball, you mix it up, you spread it around, you give the kid some protection, and he suddenly looks like. Someone who you can put your turn your football team over, like we've been screaming about for however many weeks now. Um, it, there was so much positive that came out of yesterday, um, but I, you know, again, at the end of the day, they're zero and nine. They're one and twenty-four. There is no way around that. None. No, exactly. And the other thing is, is I mean, when you have a receiving core like they do, look, Corey Coleman will be back this Sunday, and like Ryan Burns. <laughs> tweeted, hey, kid, congratulations. Jalen Ramsey's waiting for you. So, right. <laughs> uh, you know, he played, he played in eight weeks, but here you go. Um, but that was the thing. I mean, when you have the receiving core they had to going into yesterday's game, you almost treat it like a baseball lineup. Look, it's your turn. 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 And, you know, Deshaun was able to excel through that. And, and you know, as much as the wide receiver position has been a revolving door, you're starting to see that he's starting to find where he fits with each one of these guys a little bit. And that's good. You know, I mean, obviously a lot of these guys are all going to be active as the season goes on, you know, injuries, the way it plays out, you could dress six, seven wide receivers, you know, going into December, that may be the way it plays out. So it was great to see that growth and him to realize that he can work with, you know, with what he has around him. And it's just marred by that. Um, you know, I thought today, like, imagine the offensive line when he called that audible. You know, just like, oh, dude, kid, you didn't just do that. Yeah. You know, no one needed yeah. a timeout. And just, you know, maybe it was a gaffe. But here, you know, and like like I mentioned, that's, maybe there's a way that he should know that that's not an audible for that scenario. Just like the Jet game, he should have known that that speed option he audible to was not oh, an yeah. option there. But look, these are mistakes that are, a 21-year-old is going to make. His first, you know, this is you know his first time you know with this team with this offense. Those are mistakes that it's. I don't want to see you expect to happen, but are going to happen. You're going to every now and then get a gaff, and you have to understand that he's 21 years old, and those things happen. But look, for I, I, I it stinks that some people are going to rain on it. But look, by and far, Deshaun Kaiser's best day as a pro. The fact that he even came back and finished that game, I give him even more credit for. Because he knew, like, I mean, he was feeling it too. Like, you know, this is go. You know, it was a good day for me. He understood his mistakes, but he showed a lot to me by coming back out there and taking those final snaps. Because there is no way in the world he wasn't feeling the effects of that. Right, and he and not only did he come back, he moved them down the field again. Exactly. Um, I would quibble on one thing: um, the speed option from earlier in the year, definitely a rookie mistake. I can I can lay that off. Yesterday, if you didn't know that you don't have any timeouts and that's that's not oh, a that's state. that's freshman that's freshman that is football. absolutely 
you have to know that exactly from middle school on. If there's less than 18 seconds left, we can't run the ball. It doesn't matter. You can't do it. That is not a rookie mistake. That one is just an absolute brain fart. I mean, there's no way around it. And you're right. He is starting to learn where everyone is effective. He's finding DeValve in his spot. Somebody else had a good game yesterday, and I think is finding his spot uh, in the wide receiver, like you said, the baseball lineup was Rashard Higgins. He's starting to figure out what he can do at this level. He is find the soft spot in the zone, uh, convert the third and six by running a seven yard curl, you know, and, and hang on to the ball when you get obliterated like he did in either the first or second quarter. I can't remember. It was earlier in the game and convert the first down. That's where he, I think, needs to be, especially when Coleman and eventually Josh Gordon comes back because he's going to be the, the three or the four. That's going to be his job. He's, it's not going to be his job to stretch the field. And at this level, I don't know if he if he can do that. But you're right. It's starting to, I don't want to say click, but it's starting to get figured out. And that was the thing with Higgins. I, I think Higgins, you know, maybe, uh, you know, plays with a higher intelligence level than he plays with an athletic level. You know, you saw him, you know, at Colorado State, obviously put up big numbers, but, you know, he was playing with guys, you know, obviously a little inferior to him. But you're starting to see right. that he has, you know, the mental makeup, you know, to make these plays at this level. Great uh, next, next one I want to get to. Um, I can understand subbing in and out defensive line personnel, but there's no way I can understand taking out your entire first team defensive line for your second team defensive line. That one's a little bit of a that one that one kind of rubs me the wrong way, Stephen. Yeah, um, it was odd that it was like a group thing, uh, especially when they saw the first time they did it, and Detroit figured it out and said, "We're not going to huddle, and we're not going to give you the opportunity to bring those guys back in." Exactly. Um, the first time you can, you can say to yourself, "Oh, well, they got caught with their pants down, and you know there was nothing they could do about it." But then after that, don't you look and say to yourself, "All right, well, we can't do that again, or they're going to do that exact same thing," which is what happened. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not, you know, uh, smart enough as a defensive line coach to 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 pr- pretend to grasp the intricacies of what they were trying to do with that with that type of rotation. But yeah, I mean, after the first time when, cause after they did it, Detroit went down the field like a knife through butter and wouldn't you say to yourself, okay, well that didn't work. Let's not do it again. Yeah. And, and you know, it was, it's a tough thing. And look, I can understand, you know, like, you know, miles Garrett, as much as you have invested in him, you know, the first and 10, get him a blow. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's your most dominant pass rusher. Sure. There's one reason you drafted him. Uh, Agba, you know, what is he excelling right now? Look, he's getting some sacks, but he excels in first and ten. You right. know, I, I, I put it out there. Justice Makeda does some fantastic work. He's yes. second in the NFL at tackles at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage with 18. So he should always be a first and ten guy. Maybe you sub him on third and twelve. So it's just I mean, it's a, like a college mentality. It you just don't yank the entire I mean, that's your strength, that's your bed and butter right now. You want to sub one in. I understand Ogan Joby was out yesterday, but but that's just a bad mistake. I don't want to see it again. You know, I, I have no problem rotating these guys because I believe in all of them as individuals, and you put them in, in to work as a group that they all bring enough to it. But guys are second string for a reason. You just don't say, hey, you want to know what? Here we are in a position in a winnable game. I'm just you know going to get trapped with my second string defensive line on the field for two straight drives. So that's a mis- I'm with you. 
Um, I do, you know, obviously we got to a little bit of the running game. You know, fantastic. Everybody ran well. Um, I think the one thing I did like as far as the offense, uh, uh, the offense as a whole is they came out in the second half after the Kaiser flap. And, you know, we were, you know, look, me and Steven messaged a lot through these games. These guys were pissed off. They had each other's backs. And it almost seems like the other 10 guys in the huddle, like almost, you know, like bro hugged Deshaun and like, look, this drive, we got you. We understand what happened. And that drive was nasty. The offensive line was nasty. Everybody ran hard. Mm. It was just a beautiful thing to watch coming out of the half, right? Yeah, it seemed. I think I tw- I can't remember exactly what it was, but I tweeted something like, you know, there was some yelling at halftime because it seemed like they came out pissed off in that second half. That first drive was, we haven't seen that in a long time. We've seen it happen to the Browns quite a bit, but we've never seen it. We haven't seen that happen where they just basically pulled their chin straps tight, looked at Detroit and said, here we come. We're going to run the ball right there and you can't stop us. And then they ran it right there and they couldn't stop them. They just basically imposed their will on the Detroit defense uh, two straight drives. And it was beautiful. It was one. They came out angry. They need to find a way to bottle that anger (laughs) and, and, and play with it for 60 straight minutes because there's talent on this team um, and, and they can win football games, especially with the back half of this schedule coming up. There are some winnable games on this schedule, more than a few of them. Um, but yeah, we, we were tweeting back and forth during the half or, uh, DMing back and forth during the halftime. First, the first half of halftime, we were angry about, you know, the audible. And then the second <laughs> half of it, we were talking about what they had to do. And then they came out and did it. And I think everybody in Cleveland was like, um, Okay, what do we do now? They just did exactly what they were supposed to do. We don't know how to react to that. It was an odd, quiet, calm moment in in Brown's fandom, um, and they were ahead. I mean, they were ahead. You know, heading into the fourth quarter, it, it, it's it's something we haven't seen. And then, of course, you know, uh, Deshaun got hurt, and it seemed like that deflated the attitude of the team. I'm not saying they gave up or quit or anything. I'm not suggesting anything like that, but it was one of those, our leader is down and they couldn't find themselves in time. Um, and then a couple of, um, uh, plays on D and people like to say like, like the, uh, the, the touchdown where, we, um, we blitzed, we came with, the, we brought the house on third and six and they, they busted it for the touchdown. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you can question it. It's a, it's a gamble. But you also got to look across the the line and say you got one of the best quarterbacks. You got you got a top ten quarterback, if not a top five quarterback, this year. Looking at you, he's been around a long time. He saw it. He he put his people in the position to take advantage of it, and they busted it. So sometimes when you gamble, you lose. And if you lose to a really good player, you tip your cap to him. I mean, I'm not saying I you know that. You know, I mean, it's an excuse or anything like that, but everybody wants to put it all on what the Browns did wrong. Well, you know what? Detroit is a, is a good football team, and, and Matt Stafford is a hell of a quarterback. So he's not some rookie that you're going to fool. If, if you try to do stuff, he's probably going to figure it out, and he's going to put his people in a position to take advantage of it. And on that play, they did, and that busted it open. You are listening to Locked on Browns, episode 114. Uh, Browns mock draft. Stephen Thomas with me here this evening. 
Thank you all so much for your time. We have another great week coming up here now, guys. Great time to go ahead, subscribe, hit that five-star review. I appreciate it so much. Steven, like you said, and when Kaiser went down, I thought this was a good thing for him. You know, obviously, Hugh has had the yo-yo at times with Deshaun. It made me feel good because you looked, a lot of guys looked around him, but they were all of a sudden like, oh, man, Deshaun's hurt. And, and, right. You know, if, if you don't see that the other, you know, everybody else in uniform was taken aback by the fact that Deshaun was hurt, I think that needs to tell you what, and look, we've been saying this, look, every snap from here on out is Deshaun's snap to have. And look, it, for everyone who's listening, we have no problem adding competition to Deshaun. He's not done enough to prove that that is not a way to go. Right. But in the same respect, it's good to see that this team looked around and said, oh, man, if he's down, this could be trouble city. So that was a nice thing to see. Um, I think we've pretty much you know, hit on everything with this. And look, the secondary, it wasn't their finest day. You know, uh, Kindred is a guy who we all spoke well of. Rough day for him yesterday. I want to get a little bit into the monotony in the news uh, today. Uh, it seems every, you know, Pom-pom waving Browns fan thinks Peyton Manning is here to save the day, and any day he's going to be elevated to a front office position. I got to be honest with you guys. <laughs> I'm not too sure about that. Um, Steven, first let me give you your thoughts, and, and then I have some fun fun thoughts on Peyton Manning. Well, how about how, how much fun was this morning? I mean, in, in about a four-hour period, we heard the name Peyton. Peyton Manning, Mike Singletary, and John Gruden in, in about a four-hour span. There is nothing like Brown's Twitter, my friend. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's never dull. I was, I was talking to uh, uh, Anthony earlier today, and I said, you know what would be nice if just one time, one day, somebody said to you, hey, what's going on with the Browns? And you could honestly say to them, oh, not much, pretty dull today. It never happens, ever. We never get a day off. But as far as Peyton Manning goes, I mean, my thoughts are this, and they have been this for a while. We don't know what kind of front office guy he would be. He is unquestionably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, brilliantly smart about football, knows, has forgotten a thousand times more about football than I will ever come close to knowing. There's no question about that. But great quarterback does not necessarily equate great front office guy. Look at uh, John Elway. I mean, there are some ex-players that have gone on and done fantastic things in front offices. There's plenty of them. But there's also plenty that have come and failed. Look at Matt Millen. I mean, it, there's, he could come in and be the savior. He very well could. We don't know. I mean, he's probably got a better chance at it than I ever would. I mean, he's 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 a great football mind, but he has never held a front office position before. And it's not as easy as just understanding football. There's so much more that goes into it than that. Um, so my thoughts are this. If he comes in, I hope he's the guy just like everybody else they bring in. I'm a Browns fan first. I'm not a protect my take fan. I will be wrong a hundred times in a row and walk around wearing a big giant L as a necklace if that's what it takes to get them to be a winning football team. So if he comes in, I hope he burns it up and I will root for him like nobody, nobody's business. But if you're going to tell me either side, if you're going to say, Yes, he's guaranteed to be great. 
you're wrong because there's no way to know that. If you're going to say he's never held a front office position before, which automatically means he's going to suck, you're wrong. We don't know. Nobody knows what's going on. You know where I fall on this. We've, we've discussed this before. I, you committed to a three-year plan. Let them see the third year. This is the fun year coming up. This is the year where they have all the weapons and the capital and everything to put the final pieces. They've built the house. They, the first year, they laid the foundation. The second year, they put up the walls and the roof. This is year three. This is the year you get to landscape and decorate and make the house look pretty. This is the fun year. Let the guys who did the grunt work enjoy the fun fun year. That's where I stand. Um, but if they're going to bring him in, he's going to reap the re- he's You got to admit, he is coming in with... A, a loaded holster uh, uh, full of bullets, man, because they've got a jillion dollars in cap space and 400 picks. Uh, see, for me, the first thing I think is, is even if he has, you know, tiptoed in the waters and, you know, there's plenty of people who say that him and Haslam are close. Um, he seems like Peyton Manning, it seems like he would be here in 19 after all the heavies lifting's done. Like you look at the way the Colts regime, you know, his regime there ended and he was able to put, in the spot of, you know, where is the best fit for me? And, you know, and like you were just talking about building the house, it's like, you know, I'm the rose bush, you know, like where's the ornamental piece? Oh, here's where I go now. And it's almost like he would be there for 19. You think about, you know, you know, picking himself and putting himself into Denver. And the other thing is how convenient was it that he bought a slew of Papa John's franchises in the state of Colorado about a week before marijuana was legalized within the state of Colorado. <laughs> it's just, it's, and, and this, look, this is true. This is fact. I mean, he's, he's just like, he, everything just, if you're a Manning, everything falls just perfect when it needs to fall. So I would almost see like, you know, February of 19. Oh, Peyton Manning is, you know, nice cushy executive job with the Cleveland Browns. And look, he does have other offers. And it does seem weird other than the fact that he knows Haslam and seems a little bit tight with him that Cleveland would be his destination. But it's, you know, look, just in like, you know I'm with you. I like what this front office has done. This product from 17 as opposed to 16, they don't have any wins yet. Granted, there was only one win last year. It is so much better of a product. Yep. It's so much more likable of a product. Uh, and then the, let's just get to, you know, this Mike Singletary. Are, are we serious? Mike Singletary, Stephen? I, I honestly don't even know what to make of it. Um, I, I can't. I can't imagine that he would be the guy they're talking about bringing in. Maybe a coordinator. Maybe um, I saw somebody. But it seems float. very. But it seems very odd that you're interviewing a potential defensive coordinator. Then I, I right. don't know. Yeah, it's bizarre. It, I. That's why I can't. I hesitate to throw anything out there because it just doesn't fit with any kind of theory the only thing i've seen that makes sense and it's we're going to get into a political area here that i i find it sad if this is the case is someone uh floated the theory that he would uh satisfy the rooney rule um and i guess that makes sense i find it sad if that's the case but other than that i i i'm not apparently smart enough to even attempt to figure it out. I have, I have no idea, uh, what he would even be doing. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe you have a theory that I haven't thought of, but I can't figure anything out. Oh, I know, uh, 
you know, I know a couple of years ago at an all-star game, he was coaching. I, I'm pretty sure it was the senior bowl. It may have been the shrine game. I apologize if I'm incorrect here. The guys down there, my boys, they were laughing at him. Absolutely laughing at the mismanagement of an all-star game. You've got, you know, you've got, you know, four and a half hours of practice of all-stars with scouts ready to watch. He couldn't even handle that. Um, obviously, San Francisco, that burned out terribly. He couldn't handle that. The, the fact that you would put him in a position around a bunch of young kids, it, it's shown already that that doesn't work. You know, I mean, you know, dropped your pants to motivate him. Okay, big guy. Now, we're, we're all right with that, thanks. Uh, you know, I've already made more money than you're currently making. So, you know, whatever. Keep that attitude to yourself. Um, even if you elevate Greg Williams to the head coaching position, you're doing that with the fact that Greg Williams is still going to run the defense. Exactly. He's going he's to find someone and groom someone to take care of the offense. But there may be, you know, a quote-unquote defensive coordinator. But, you know, he's going to be nothing but the guy who grabs, you know, Greg's donuts and coffee every day. Right. It just, I don't know. It, I mean, it's foolish. And, you know, first things first, I'm, you know, a Singletary is a coach guy. And this is part of, you know, sometimes when you are such a dominant player, it doesn't translate to coaching because, oh, well, you can't do this because, well, no, they just can't. And Mike Singletary wasn't a fantastic athlete, but Mike Singletary, anytime he was on an NFL field as a middle linebacker and a part of any defense, he was the smartest defensive player on the field. Right. You can't make anybody that intelligent you're born with it that was a gift he was given just as somebody is given a four two five forty time so i mean the whole thing is absolute monotony um and it doesn't make any sense to me why they would be it seems a drastic step and at this point in the season unless you're going to clean house in which case you just clean house but at this point in the season why would you make a drastic move. You have your most winnable stretch of games heading ahead of you. I mean, you've got – look what you got coming up. I, I, and You've got the Bengals. You've got the Packers. You've got the Bears. You've got the Ravens. Um, you know what? The Steelers, and even ja- – no, but even Jacksonville. Jacksonville. going to be crappy as heck in Cleveland on Sunday. Well, and these guys any, aren't ready for this. And any time um, the opposing team is quarterbacked by Blake Bortles, you have a chance to win that game. But Absolutely. there's that. The Chargers can find a way to lose to anyone, as we saw yesterday. And the last week of the season, the Steelers could very well be resting everyone. So we could be playing their backups. So you can make a case that there are at least three wins in there somewhere. Uh, assuming that Deshaun continues to play like he did yesterday, which is no given, and assuming that they stay relatively healthy uh, from here on out, there are winnable games. So why would you rock the boat now when it's coming to the point in your schedule where you could actually make some progress on in the win column? It doesn't make any sense to me. I I can't make heads or tails of this Mike Singletary thing. And even still, that like, couldn't have been done through Skype or a video or you want to know what? I mean, you know, but I mean, you did it during the time where it was a bi- I mean, uh, you know, we'll meet you 100 miles away. Right. You know, exactly. You know, uh, oh, I bumped into you for dinner. And you want to know what? You go into the office of the owner of the restaurant that you bumped into each other in. Right. And I don't know. I mean, it, out of all, you know, it, stop. You know, this is more. And if we've learned anything maybe from the Rams this season. Maybe it's time to start, you know, trending towards the young, hungry. I have some stuff that nobody's ever seen yet that I want to try. 
you know, start going to that genre as opposed to a guy who's, you know, nobody's really knocked on his door for a while now. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't make heads or tails of any of it. Um, and as but far as make- even, and in talking to a defensive mind, Greg's not the problem here. Yes, Greg may have had a rough day yesterday, but for the first eight weeks, eight games, I should say, Greg was not the issue by any means. Right, right. And the defense, here's here's the other thing. We've said this before. People have uh, argued with us about it. It's a much improved defense, but it's not done. There's still a few players short here and there, so he is still, I don't want to say piecemealing because that makes it sound farther away than it actually is, but he's still trying to cover up certain spots and again you look across the line those are nfl players on offense that we've been playing so they know where the weaknesses are so no matter how no matter how hard you try to cover something up in the nfl the other side is going to find it and hammer you on it uh, because that's the way it is you know i mean there, there's an old uh, 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 saying um, on a defensive line called find the turd where's the the weak spot on the offensive line you line up your best defensive lineman against him and blow him out of the water every time. It, it's you, you figure out where the weak spot is in this defense and you attack it. So it's improved, but it's still not there. It's closer than the offense, but it's still short a couple players. And so he's still trying to figure it out. So, but like you said, he's not the problem. He hasn't been the problem. Um, you can question where Peppers has been lined up. You can try to figure out why they're getting murdered by uh, tight ends. Um, but by and large, like you said, at the top of this, the defense has carried the day for most of the year until yesterday. And look, and look, do you want to add another pass rusher? Absolutely. When you have a tremendous amount of capital, you can never have too many pass rushers. Right. Do you still need another quarterback? Yes. Jason McCourty, for the most part, has played out of his mind this year, but he's also next year will be going to his 10th year. You're going to add another cornerback. You're right. still looking for that deep safety, which they seem to love so much but do not have. Right. But look, this defense, you know, for far and large, is getting it done for the most part. Steven, as always, thanks so much, brother. I appreciate having you on. Thanks for having me, my friend. Uh, always a good time, and I'll come back anytime you want. Uh, you know that. Locked on Browns, episode 114. Uh, going on for the week, we have Charles McDonald at 4 Verts. He's going to come in and talk some more about the Browns defensive line. If you guys haven't checked it out, check out settingtheedge.com. He wrote a fantastic piece on how well these guys are playing. Uh, Jordan Zerm, ESPN Cleveland this week. Kyle Krabs, NDT Scouting this week for Draft Thursdays. Uh, everybody's Brown's favorite. Pete Smith's going to come in Friday night. Me and, Pete, me and Pete may not agree on everything, but we do agree on some odd things. That, uh, But overall, we agree on a bunch of things. Uh, episode 114, let's go Browns. Stephen, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you guys all tomorrow night.